0: Um, I couldn't, the words which I saw on on my paper, right, on the book just didn't come out right away sometimes. So it it made me question why I couldn't do certain things like like everyone else could, right? Uh, It made me question if I was um, defective. It made me question if I was um, going to in the future be able to like do things. And so I think there was a lot that comes from not knowing what you were dealing with and just having your imagination take you to wild places, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I kind of wish I was diagnosed and the, okay, this is what you have dyslexia. You, you sometimes, like, confuse your six and your nines. You sometimes, like, confuse left and right. Um, all these different things, I think for me, I, I just had to learn how to cope in many ways, right? Um, but it was still tough, and I, I think it, it, I would get terrified to read out loud, even in high school.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Raw podcast. I'm your host, Tino Kodatondarai Von Zarbaya. Now I'm going to repeat that. Here's a podcast that's creating the dialogue and the space for Black men to be their most authentic selves. Now my conversation with Chiyoji Choji is a remarkable individual, and I loved chatting to him. Choji moved from Nigeria to the US at a very young age and faced numerous challenges along the way. Choji comes onto the podcast today to share his inspiring journey of adaptation, resilience and determination from navigating a new country to overcoming dyslexia and stuttering and bullying. And he takes His story takes us from JP Morgan, would you imagine, to Bloomberg, um, where he not only excelled, but made a significant impact by creating a successful sports data analysis group within the company. But that's not all. Chioji's entrepreneurial spirit shines as he shares his experience of starting a company within Bloomberg, providing innovative solutions for professional sports teams, even during the Wall Street crash and the recession that we had in 2008. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. We delve into numerous amounts of topics. Um, We talk about the diversity within sports technology. We talk about Chiyoji's efforts to make a positive change through his company GameFlow, which is focusing on creating inclusive sports themed games to teach essential life skills to young people and children and i think you guys are really going to enjoy what chioji has to say in this podcast and i really hope um, you do enjoy it let me know what you think about this episode let me know what you think about chioji if you want to find out more about him i'm going to put all his links into the show notes so you can go and check those out and yeah i really thank y'all for listening in advance <laughs> um you can always go onto my social medias at tino talk 25 twitter instagram tiktok let me know what you thought of the episode on there man i'd love to hear what y'all got to say but i think we should get to this episode yeah i think we should get to this episode so here is my conversation with chio hi chi welcome to the black and raw pod podcast it's really good to have you on
0: thank you tino i appreciate it uh looking forward to our conversation
1: No, bless bless um so when we had uh, a little chat before before this um you'd mentioned that you know you you moved from um nigeria to the us when you're quite a young age do you remember that move like do you remember sort of adapting to the us and everything
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, I do. I was five years old when I moved, so I was pretty young. But for me, I do recall like for one, we moved on Christmas Eve. Wow. So my first time having to wear a winter jacket and seeing snow, right? That was a whole experience. Like, what is this white stuff in the ground? <laughs> um, my first time having cafeteria food um, um, at school, having like a little circle of pizza and not liking pizza, which is nasty. I mean, I, I remember lots of different things, but I, I, I remember also just feeling confused and uncomfortable. Um, I think go, going to New York City is a very, is a lot as a young child, and so I think, um, there was that. There's also just being a kid, too. Kids are kids to bullies at that age, right? Yeah, they kids just, are me, man, <laughs> six, seven, eight, man, they will find. Anything to pick to pick on you for? And I think um, I I had to learn quickly just to one have tough skin and then two um, I think just find my lane in different places and and I get too worked up about trying to please everybody and be be everyone's friend. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, kids. Yeah, kids can be so mean when you're younger. Even even like I've I've had a kid just upright call me fat. And it's not like he's wrong, but it's like, dude, you don't need to just say that to me outright from nowhere, man. Okay. (laughs) I get you. Okay.
0: It is. It is. So for me, I mean, I think I have four nephews and four nieces now. So for me, I, I try a lot to...
1: Let them know that you can speak your opinion,
0: but to speak high to
1: people, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so for you, like, was there anything that helped you sort of, um, adapt to the US? Like, um, yeah, was there anything that helped you?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I was always a big sports fan. I mean, I grew up watching the World Cup with my dad and recording the World Cups on VHS and trying to write down who was playing who. Um, and so for me, coming to the States, football wasn't played much. right? soccer wasn't played much. And so I had to kind of adapt to the sports which were more popular in New York. And at that time, it was baseball. It was a very popular sport. I mean, the New York Yankees played in the Bronx, where I'm from. And so um, when I was eight, I asked my mom and dad to join, like, the, the I guess, the the kids league, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the little league league of baseball in my neighborhood. And I think my mom and dad knew that I was I, I was struggling to make friends and in, in many ways having issues in terms of getting fights at school. And so I said, you know what? Let's have him play this random sport we don't know about.
1: <laughs> I had
0: no idea what baseball was. My mom had no idea, but they kind of like had my back rather right? my dad would go out there with me on the field and try to teach me how to play, but he was confused. And they eventually got one of our neighbors who was a coach to kind of take that in his wing. And so I just I had to learn from scratch, right? And it was tough to be bad initially at baseball. I mean, that was really, really bad. And so mm-hmm. I'll go all day and try out for teams and get cut. I would um just just but still I go back and practice, 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 man, and 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 really push at it. Um, which I think is just a life lesson right there, right? You, you might not be good at something initially, but if you keep on trying it, eventually you'll get better, right? And then you'll get better and better. Um and so for me, that was a lesson. And then two, I think I had to find ways to still be a good teammate, even though I was bad at baseball. You know yeah, what I mean? like um, And so for me, is knowing how to be vocal and support my teammates and cheer them on, right? And try to think about ways to still support the team, even though I wasn't very good. That just helped me even more as a human being. Having six siblings, um, I have five six. sisters. Wow. And two, yep. Five. <laughs> yep. Five. Five sisters, man. I have five. Oh, so you're the so, only boy as well? Oh. No, so I, I, I have a younger brother, so there's okay. seven of us. Five girls, two boys, so there's four girls initially, then I came, and then my younger brother, and then my baby sister. Oh, so okay. Um, I also tell folks I have, like, essentially five moms. My mom <laughs> and my four, my four big sisters. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think sports taught me even to understand how best to be a part of that team at home, right? And that I was to be about Oh, it's I'm annoyed that I get this more portion of food. Maybe it's just thinking about okay, how do I go out there and, and, and make money for my family to have my family have more, right? So I just I became way more um I think I became way more empathetic because of sports in my journey through having to adapt as a young child to um being new at sports and then I played basketball, played football. Um, and, and I think I just found that that's a, 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 a place where I feel safe and comfortable. And I think my career has really, in many ways, shadowed that uh, ways in which I see sports helping people adapt and learn skills.
1: Yeah, sports is something which, like, I've always sort of been a part of um, throughout my life. Like, I played uh, rugby in school. Um, I think I was about to say, I think I played football, but I think I went for like a a trial or maybe went for a few training sessions, but football was never my jam when I was younger. Um, but you know, like you would always just like if you got a ball somewhere and you got some mates, you would always just be playing football outside, wouldn't you? Like get some, get some hoodies or something, make a little goal mm. post. Um, But sports is always sort of a big part of my life. Now I play basketball, um, and at uni I played lacrosse, and um, nice. so I, I always loved just the camaraderie of a sports team. Like it's sort of just like it's your boys or like it's your mm. girls. Like it's a very sort of good n- niche community. Um, And it it does teach you a lot, like it does teach you a lot of life lessons, even just sort of like making sure you're on time for training, like you've got your time management skills, you've got, as you're saying, your communication and how can you be a leader even when you're not like performing well, you know, you don't have to sort of be the best person at something to help your team. Um, And that can sort of just go to any stages of life, isn't it really, in terms of how you interact in business or your friendships or your families and stuff like that so yeah I've always loved sports like when I have kids one day like I, I they will play a sport like it doesn't matter what sport but they'll yeah. play a sport No
0: for sure man and I think even I mean I think we've mentioned mostly team sports but even individual sports my wife ran track and field and also ran cross country and the level of I think mental fortitude it takes to do an individual sport like track and field or playing tennis, right? Like is this you and your opponent, mm. your opponent is, 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 is very much, it, it, it takes a lot of self-will. I think I respect people who can do that. I'm, I'm more a team sport player. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think there's really a lesson which can come from just trying to understand that the whole is stronger than the individual parts, right? And that we can kind of do a whole lot more together than we can do individually. So, yeah, I love team sports, man. I think um, I, I will always, see, like you said, have have every part of my life. Um, if my kids don't want to play team sport, that's cool. Um, they can do a team activity. like be in a band <laughs> right? or be in, I don't know, in a dance troupe. Yeah, yeah that, I, I think some, something involved in having to kind of understand that you can play a role in a bigger collective, right? And we are all connected, and this thing called life, or what we're doing. I think that's that's a lesson which everyone needs to needs to at some point realize and have really part of their psyche that it's about the whole, the collective.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It's sports, sports just sort of does many things, um, for you, which I absolutely love, and some of the stuff you're saying as well um that it's about the whole rather than the individual i think we live in quite an individualistic society right now i think those lessons can always be um can always be sort of hammered in um which i think is really good um we, we talked earlier um you said that um you know you were bullied in school and stuff like that and you mentioned that you had dyslexia. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted to know um, how did that sort of impact your your self-image or sort of just how you, yeah, your self-image, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's something where, so I'll tell a story of how dyslexia would impact me as a young person. Um, oftentimes in classrooms, in class, they would have people read out loud. All right. Okay, it'll be Johnny's time to read out loud. Then it's going to be Amy's turn. Right, and then when it came time to go to me, right, um, I couldn't. The words which I saw on, on my paper, right, on the book, just didn't come out the right way sometimes. So it, it made me question why I couldn't do certain things like like everyone else could. Right, I, I, it made me question if I was um defective. It made me question if I was. Um, going to in the future be able to uh, like do things and so i think there was a lot that comes from not knowing what you were dealing with and just having your imagination take you to wild places right mm. like i, I kind of wish i was diagnosed and you okay this is what you have dyslexia you you sometimes like confuse your six or your knives you sometimes like confuse left and right um, all these different things. I think for me, I, I just had to learn how to cope in many ways, right? Um, but it was still tough. And I, I think it, it, I would get terrified to read out loud even in high school, right? I mean, I am here 16 years old and me, I'm I'm sweating, like profusely sweating in class when it comes time to um just read and have people discuss and have dialogue and read out loud. So I think um I've learned to be okay with. Know that everyone has something which they're dealing with, right? I think Mm. that's something which I always kind of come back to that no one is perfect. And um, if I try to hide my imperfections, I am only doing myself a disservice, right? If I choose to not use my voice and speak out because I'm scared that I might be looked at for having to listen, having to stutter, right? That's that's not going to help me out because, yeah, I mean, uh, people can judge me for, for, for how I talk or how I, um how I read, but um they can't judge my character. They don't, they don't know my heart, they don't know my thoughts. And so um I have to let those things be known. I have to be kind to people. I have to speak kindness. I have to just be who I want to be and not, not worry about what I'm not. Right. So I think that's the, that, that was my biggest lesson. Um knowing that each day I might I might sometimes stutter, that's fine. Like don't don't let that affect me and how I feel about my day, right? In this conversation, I pause for a while to to collect my thoughts, right? This is me trying to practice things, which over time I put in place to help me deal with dyslexia. I think that's something which um, is part of my story, good or bad, right? This is part of my story.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think that, in terms of how you're saying, you know, you, there was times where you were literally sweating before um, a talk or, or some, something where you had to talk in front of people. Um, and I think just sort of how you shaped your perspective and thinking about it, like, like it's like, okay, I might have this thing, but it's not going to stop me from saying what I want, being who I want to be. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, if people do judge you, so what? They don't even know you. Like they don't, as you're saying, they yep. don't know your character. They don't know your kindness and they don't know what you do behind the scenes. Um, So I think, yeah, for anybody that sort of has dyslexia or has a stutter or anything, like definitely hear the words that she is saying, because that's, I think that's the way you sort of deal with something like that. You know what I mean? Um yeah. Because, yeah, we all have, no one's perfect. We all have our things about us. Um, there was even that film, The King's Speech, um, where the dude has a stutter and he has to, you know, do a king speech and he sort of overcomes it. And you see how he done that. Um, and that's on a grand scale, but like there's people that are just sort of everyday people struggling with something and they have to overcome it. So I like how you've overcame that and how you've sort of changed your perspective on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I'll say Life is all about how you react to um, being punched or being hit, right? I think we can choose to stay down and be, oh my God, I have this illness. I have this ailment. I have this thing that's wrong in me. So, okay, I'm going to get up and figure out how to adapt, right? I often tell people about, once again, I mentioned for me, left and right is very tough for me. And so, one thing which I always do, and I still do today, is if I think about left, I make an L with my left hand because if I do if I use my right hand it's not an L so if yeah. I can make an L with my hand then it's left and for me I still do that if I'm driving right and I need to go someplace okay just quickly L right if I'm if I'm doing the chart out slide right okay <laughs> right <laughs> left foot two times right okay left so yeah it's, it's, it's just I mean it's, it is what it is right and for me I just have to understand that it's something which I just need to do to help just Keep myself oriented, right? And so, if if you have to meditate each morning just to get your mind to be at ease, right, to kind of go through your day to help you deal with ADHD or who knows what, and do that. Right, my wife has ADHD, and she meditates probably three times a day just to help herself regulate. And I think that's something which, like all things, right, we have what we have, but how do we adapt? How do we make sure we can still go about our day and 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 feel Feel safe and comfortable, right? And and not let what we have um, keep us from being who we are.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um. So we we've mentioned sort of about your upbringing, um, and about sort of your experiences in school and stuff. Um. Mm-hmm. And you know, we just talked about sort of dyslexia and your stutter. Um. But for someone that was be, was being bullied in school and struggled to have friends, and that had dyslexia and had a stutter. You still ended up going to work for one of the biggest banks in the world. So, how did you even get into J.P. Morgan? Like, what was like, what was that process like? Because um, yeah. I've never talked to someone that's worked for J.P. Morgan, so I'm always interested to find this out.
0: Yeah, it's um, I mean, for me, I think I've, I've like I mentioned how sports helped me realize that I had to go out there and help support my family, right? To kind of make make the pie bigger to have us have more food and more money to kind of spend and do stuff. So for me, um, when I was like 15, 16, um, I looked at this book, which had like every occupation um, you can do, right? It was like a, a trade book for my sister, who was at that point at college. I looked at the book and I was like, what's the highest paying job <laughs> I can get without having an event, without having like a, a, a master's or a PhD degree, Right. Yeah, this undergrad degree, and I look and and bam, there was, investment banking. Right, I'm like, hmm, what's this investment banking? And so for me, I think my initial motivation was let me like make the most money possible to support my family. So I was like, at that point, 16. Um, so 16, I, I took an internship that summer um, at this at this essentially it's an insurance company called AIG, um, American Insurance Group. Um and I take an internship through this program I was in, and essentially I was going to work in this department and my my strict job was to take um physical files and then scan them into the computer and then save them on the hard drive right so essentially trying to make physical things digital that was my whole entire job that that yeah um but for me as someone who um i guess I make games now, but even back then I would kind of in my mind gamify things. I would track how many things I how many how much I scan each hour, right? Each day. And I'll try to beat my times and my output each day. And so I got so good at that that I was done with my my job within a month of a, a two-month internship, right? And so for the final month, <laughs> I got to walk around and meet people. And so I got to network and talk to folks and um, I think within that, I, I mean, I, I met some p- folks who really had my back. And then the next summer, um, an internship came up where someone pushed me very, very hard to be essentially the guinea pig for JP Morgan by having JP Morgan have a high school intern be at the investment bank. And so I was JP Morgan's first ever high school intern in the investment bank when I was, uh, 17 years old. I was about to be, I was, I finished my senior year in, in high school and I was going to college. So I, I wasn't in college yet. It was a summer between high school and college. Yeah. Um, and so it was wild. man. I was, I was this kid. I was interned next to guys who were at Harvard, um, Harvard business school, people who were like Wharton business school. Right. I, I was in the mix doing my thing. Um, I'm tall, so I think just being tall, I, I stood out. I was this tall, skinny kid with a big suit, oversized suit. I mean, but me, I, I work hard. I'm also I'm, I'm good with people. I, I just I, I look at what's where there's a gap, how I can fill in, and I fill those gaps, right? So for me, as as is how I I, I function at that. I think it kind of comes from sports once again, right? Like, how can I help this unit be better? And if it mm. means it's me. Going and cleaning bathrooms, I'll go clean bathrooms. Right? If it's me going and playing for the softball team and and being a great softball player, that, that was something too. Right? I played for the softball team that summer, and it was it was me and a bunch of like executives, and I was a stud. I, I just I kicked butt that game. <laughs> so from that <laughs> point on, they, they knew who end. I was, and so, um, so yeah. So, so from early on, I was pegged as a future leader for J.P. Morgan. So I kind of went through. Like the summer programs each year. Um, So by the time I was in college, and I was about to graduate college, I had a a guaranteed job already um, from J.P. Morgan. Um, So it was great, man. It was. I think it was me being very intentional, right time, right place. And then once I got my foot in the door, right, I just kept on doing amazing work. And then kind of went through like just the, like the internal leadership programs, right. Um, And so. After I graduated from college, I went to Brown, graduated from college. Um it was I was in between becoming a teacher or going to JP Morgan, right? And for me, I've always really cared about teaching and having an impact. Um, but also I think at that age, I was still, how do I help my family? And that paycheck, <laughs> yeah, that 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 paycheck from JP Morgan, I looked at, I'm like, this is I am making more than my mom, who's a nurse, has ever made it her whole entire life. Just, yeah, just from day one, right? Like that's something which, like, just, just to think about that it was something which I, um, I couldn't pass up at that point. Um, and so I think I'm happy. I made the choice to go there. Um, and I, I met I have some great mentors who I still know from there, who I knew from when I was 17 years old, right? But that that first internship as as a high school kid, who i have had my back from that point on who still mentor me now. So um I think I, I the people there I appreciate. Um I think my problem was that some of the things which JP Morgan as a bank did, um, which I be I began to know more and more about, just did a lot of my values and my and what I what I was trying to do. And so I figured let me just leave and apply my skills to do work which I control and and do work towards a mission which I could sleep and night about, and I think in many ways a bank is all about making rich people richer, right? Which mm. is cool. That's that's what they do. And I get it. That's how things flow. But for me, as as Chijioge, right, I want to have my skills and talents applied to making people's lives better and trying to improve the world, right, in a tangible way beyond just having commerce be run through this one system um so yeah that's, that's 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 my quick jp morgan story i got yeah. more stories but it's, it's a it's a one-hour podcast an hour and a half podcast. So I'll, I'll stop here man
1: <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool that's cool no that's a great that's a great sort of story i i like sort of how as you said as a young person you're very intentional and you're like okay even if it was literally how much money how what's the best job to make the most money like that's still being intentional and figuring out a plan and and doing that and yeah. you know yeah you had to get your foot in to door, door had once you got your foot into the door um it was great but you had to work at it like that your work yeah. it had to keep you going through those stages and even going back to jp morgan every summer when others were maybe you know going on holiday in their summer and stuff like that but you were you were working for this huge ass bank um and yeah i, I like sort of I, I just like everything in terms of that in terms of how hard you worked for that opportunity, um, and yeah, JP Morgan, Morgan, a bit of a shady bank, um,
0: <laughs> but all banks are
1: shady, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. That's,
0: that's true. <laughs> that's, that's that's the nature of that's, that's the nature of capitalism, man. I mean, there's yeah yeah there's lots of funny money being taken in by these big banks, which um is runs a lot of the 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 world's like I mean black market in many ways. So I, I I tell folks that. It's I mean it's I, I don't judge, but you have to be aware and at that point make your choice. But if you choose to work for a bank, that's completely fine. I have no qualms with that. Like I said, I have people who are mentors who I respect to still work with JP Morgan. Um, um but yeah, but to each their own, right? And so my yeah. journey is my journey.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't be putting judgment on others. Um yeah, yeah. Who, who are we to judge? You know what I mean? We've we've all we've all done our stuff or done something yep. which someone else might not agree with. So, um, yep. but yeah, I think, I think once you know the information and if it doesn't align with your values, I think then you've got to make the decision. Um, but I, and I always think it's good to make sure that you are aware of what is happening and what, wherever you're working or whoever you are involved with, you might not know everything, but like, if you can get that information, um, and then figure out, OK, does this align with who I am? And then if it doesn't, I think then you've got to make a decision. And you did make that decision. Um, yeah. And talking about moving on from J.P. Morgan, um, you we worked in sort of sports technology. Um, so what was what was that like working in sports technology? What does that even involve?
0: Yeah, so. Um, even Yeah. Even before I had signed on to be um at j p morgan full time, I had done different internships right This is kind of where my feet wet, and and I worked for a time at Bloomberg l p, which is a financial data company. They provide information to to stock traders to people who are essentially working on the money. They provide all the data, the graphs news right and so for me, I, I worked there for a summer um and I met this guy who was on my team. And once again, I, I'm, I'm big on everyone who you who you meet, you treat with respect. And you just, like just get to know who they are, right? I don't care who you are, what you look like, I'm going to treat you correctly. To be a custodian, to be a CEO, I'm going to treat you the same exact way, right? And so I think me and this guy got along quite well. He we knew I love sports. Um, and so he came to me and was like, yo, Chi, I have an idea to... Take the Bloomberg LP financial tools, like the tools which help all these companies look at data and make it look really pretty. Let's take those same tools and apply it to sports and help sports teams look at data and make decisions based on data very quickly. He's um, like, I, I have the idea in my head, but I, I don't know sports too well. Can you please help me Like, I kind of get, get the idea off the ground? And I was like, hey, say, I'm like, how oh, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> say less. I'm like, say less, man. Sounds I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm completely d- down for it. So that summer, that was my junior, that was, that was my sophomore year in college. Yeah, that summer, since he worked like nine to five, doing my normal job, like internship-wise. And from 5 p.m. to like midnight, I was doing research for him. I was helping him kind of prepare a pitch to have this group within the company, which he would run which would be called Bloomberg Sports, which will focus on working with sports teams. Um, so we looked at working with baseball teams, working with um, football teams in Europe. Um, like we worked with, um, uh, we began by working with, I think we worked initially with Cardiff City. Was Cardiff city we worked with out there?
1: Close to me. Um, Cardiff-ish. Wales is close. Not too far.
0: Yeah, yeah. so I mean, so we, we began very small, but focused on baseball and soccer. Um, but Lost those shows that that group which he began with me began to do really really well. So by the time it was 2012, um four years after that began, I was like, no one, I'm, I'm about to leave J.P. Morgan. Um, let me call up my man Bo and see what's going on. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, Bo, like, um, I, I I know I've been gone for a while, but I want to come back to the company, right? Um, let's figure out how I can give me a role. Um, and so at that point, they were trying to get, get a lot of things in, in order from a financial standpoint. And so I think, once again, me being at J.P. Morgan, the financial like institution, um, I brought a lot of know-how around how to be organized in terms of systems, um, knowing how to really just be efficient. I brought that to them as a startup company, um, which is important. But also, I think for me, I brought just a culture of just trying to build a team of really great people. So once I came in, we grew a team from like 25 to about 50 people in two years of people who I brought in and handpicked, right? So it, it was great to go from being at this huge company like JP Morgan, which has about 20,000 employees, right? Just like this huge company to being a company of one of 25 trying to build culture, right? And trying to build yeah. from scratch and, trying, and going out there and, and, and actually talking to a, a team's general manager or team owner about the deal, right? It was, it, was, it was so cool, man. But the whole point is that we can use data to help these teams be more efficient. And so I, I think the idea still holds today. I mean, we're seeing way more professional teams rely on data and analytics. It began with baseball, but now basketball is fully an athletic sport. Um, European football is coming very much that way, too. Um, so it's cool to say that I had a part in that movement, um, and I, I still take pride in that. Um, and so the company, which we began in, in 2008, was purchased in 2014 um, by the richest black man in the United States. Um, this company bought my company in 2014. Um, and it was, it it was, I mean, it's, it's special to have, to have anyone view being worth being purchased. Right. Um, but it was also sad to see something which we had built now leave our control and now be in his control. Um, that's a whole different saga, (laughs) Um, but it was, but still, I think the fact that I was 25 years old, I was a CFO for a company. I got build some crazy deals i got to kind of be someone who was at the, um, the start of a movement in sports which is still going on now with even with, with gambling right and how people look at gambling our company was very early on and trying to build things to so that um i wish we had more control now to regulate how people gamble yeah and things like that but once again once someone buys you to take you take the tool in your ip and now it's they can do what they want. Yeah, you
1: ways. can't. Yeah, you can't just come in and be like, you can't do that. Well, actually, we're on it now. So, <laughs> exactly. so
0: that's been tough to see. That's, that's 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 the tough part. You build something so cool and powerful, but then it can be used in different ways. Like all things, they, they can be good and bad from any kind of application or tool. And so, yeah, um, yeah that's, that's 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 a quick, long and short. Once again, more stories there, but I will keep it brief um,
1: for the podcast. So, but you mentioned uh, that you started the company in two thousand and eight, and for anybody yeah. that anybody knows, we had the Wall Street crash. So, exactly, like starting a company at that point, people must have looked to you like you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, what was sort of going on at the time for you?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that was in part of that was part of the genius of the idea was that the company was was begun within. A huge company of Bloomberg, so Bloomberg LP, like initially owned the group. And so all all the staffing, all the resources came from this big conglomerate, right? Mm-hmm. We eventually spun off and became part owned by them. But so early on, um, just having the Bloomberg name behind you went a long way in terms of getting clients. So it was it was something which I think, even though there was a recession from a global standpoint. Was still a client, right, being these professional sports teams, which had a need, which we were going to provide, right, and and provide a very, like, very fundamentally, way, way, way more efficient way. And we had a name of Bloomberg RP, which a lot of the ownership knew, right? All these rich people who for a long time have used Bloomberg tournaments to whole entire yeah. lives, the ones who own these sports teams. Is it all Bloomberg sports? oh, cool, I know, I must have that meeting. And so I think in many ways, we got to navigate very tough spaces because of the name we had and also the fact that our customer, being these sports teams had a need for what we were giving them. And I think also we had results that the teams which initially began using our platform began to win games. And so I think it's a copycat league everywhere you go. People will copy what's working. And so that helped us kind of take off in 08. Um, but, But to your point, the recession was why I was at Bloomberg LP that summer because in 2008, the recession, every single bank stopped hiring interns, yeah. even JP Morgan. So, JP Morgan, it's an internship, no way that happened this summer. So, mm-hmm. I had to find a job elsewhere. And for me, I was using my summertime money to pay for college. Um, I, I paid for school all by myself through internships and through working during the school year. And so, that's that's in part why I was making, making these high paying jobs. And so, I think, yeah, it, things, what was really a crazy event, right? Imagine being in school and college studying your your potential, like place of work going down in shambles, right? And seeing people who you knew losing their jobs. Mm. So it was very really emotionally a fraught time for me. Um, but I think from that crazy time came this opportunity to kind of create and build. And I'm glad that for me, my viewpoints on how I can use my skills and now more around how do I build amazing teams and amazing products, right? That all came from that that two thousand and eight experience. This trial build an initially Blue look
1: Sports. Yeah. So finding sort of the um, I guess diamond in the rough in sort of a rough time. My mm-hmm. knowledge wasn't the best. But um yeah, but seeing I think a lot of people, like especially for me in COVID, like um I was quite fortunate that I was able to have a coach. Um and he really helped me sort of develop what the Black and Raw podcast is and what Black and Raw is in general. And I think a lot of people sort of used COVID as a way of, I think you we were forced to just sit and relax and reset and figure yeah. out sort of what's important to us. Um, so I think a lot of people used COVID in a way that you used the, the recession and the Wall Street crash. So, um, yeah, it's just about seeing the opportunity when everything else looks gloom and dark. It's about seeing the opportunity and then taking it.
0: Yeah, the um the great poet Jermaine Cole said, "There's beauty in the struggle." Right. So yeah, I I think that's exactly what you're saying. There's it is, there's it is, there's always some level of, the there the, the can be good from really bad time. I think um I mean for me with COVID, I mean COVID was when I First began seeing a therapist who me just having to really process a lot of past trauma in my life, right? I think me seeing a therapist led me to um, find clarity to um, say, okay, I can get married now, right? And I got married like two months ago. So I think, yeah, I think there's, there's beauty in the struggle. But thank you, man. Right? It's beauty in the struggle. Um, it's all about perspective, how you kind of view what's going on
1: yeah definitely um and yeah so back on to sort of in terms of the sports technology um yeah i know sort of loads of company well i don't know but like i know of like teams that are using analytics like you said nba is sort of analytics now um mm-hmm. you know i think uh liverpool used to be like love to use sort of analytics i know a lot of premier league teams are starting to use it um, man city loves analytics man yeah
0: Say that again? I said Man City is yeah. one of the biggest users of Man City, of, of And I think in many ways their championship push, obviously they had more cash flowing, but um, just their ways of looking at stuff, especially
1: Pep. Pep is big on analytics too. Yeah, Pep is just a, a crazy genius to be honest. <laughs> you know? yep. that, that man that man is something else. Like, yeah, we'll go down as one of the best managers um, to ever been in the game. Obviously, Saudi money helps, but you've still got to make yep. a team out of that. You've still got to get the right players in and everything else like that. Um, because as you, I mean, Man United we see, in Chelsea we see, you can spend lots of money, but doesn't always work out well. Um, so, yeah. So what was it like being, um, what was the diversity like in sort of sports technology and, um, in the field that you were seeing, like, has it got better Has it, I mean, hopefully it's got better, but what was the diversity like?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I, I think that's why I really enjoyed being able to hire people to my company and, and build a, a, a team, which was very much not like what was in the general field. Right? I think one sports is a place where everyone wants to work in sports. Right Everyone would love to work for their favorite team or for their favorite league, and so because of that, like employers have leverage to essentially like offer lower wages, knowing that this there's a high demand for this role, so mm-hmm. the, no matter what the wages is, the demand will be in point where someone will take on that job, so I want to have their mom and dad pay their rent for the next six months or have them do a sports internship, right so I want to have. This X, Y, and Z cover their expenses. So in many ways, you find lots of folks who come from more high-income families who work in sports and who have a legacy of having a family member be in sports, right? So their dad owns this team, so therefore they work on this team's marketing department, right? So there's there's, there's lots of that going on in sports, man. So I think that's off the bat takes away half the (laughs) jobs if I'm being real with you, man. Um, But then from from a... Looking at analytics, where I was working at, uh, I mean, people who look at data, um, data science, that field in general really leans more towards men and either white or Asian men. Um, and so I think that also reflected in many ways the people who were on the analytics teams, right? Usually mostly men and, and you're mostly white and Asian men. And so I think that's, that's, that's the makeup. And I think if you look at lots of analytics teams for teams, um professional teams, you'll find the same makeup, right um, probably you probably find one woman across every ten men. you'll probably find one person of color across every twenty people, right? and so I think it's 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 a it's a space that people don't give up their jobs easily, so people mm. stay on their jobs for a long time, and so there's not much turnover. but once someone comes into that new role they have to oftentimes take a much lower wage because of just the, the demand for the job or they have to really um, come from being highly recommended. They have to know people who say, okay, I'm going to give you this job because I know you and I trust you. Right? So it's it's a very tight circle, close circle. Um, it's not very diverse, man. And so I think for me, um, I, I, I keep saying I enjoy the fact that I can kind of build companies and build teams. Um, all four of my companies have been um, minority owned and so owned by black black people and women. Um and, and for me, I I also try to hire folks who are diverse, right? I mean for me I, I know that I, I don't want a team of all men. Mm-hmm. I don't want that I don't want a team of all black people. I want a team of people who are going to be excellent, but the team of people who are going to be diverse in terms of how they view and and, and, and look at things. So um yeah it's 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 I I can't change the industry. I can only change my individual circle. So I choose to build my own circle, right, and build that the way I want to have industry be. But in general, you're going to find mostly men and white and Asian men working in sports, especially sports analytics.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you, because, yeah, everyone would love to work for their team, for their favorite team or to be in sports, isn't it? Like, it's quite a, a... I'd say glamorous to a certain extent. I think just because of sort of all the money involved and you've got, you know, superstars and stuff like this. Like, I mean, I'd love to work in the NBA. That'd be really cool. Like... Like I'm sure everybody would love to do something like that. So yeah, I, I see I see why there maybe isn't sort of that diversity. But I like in terms of as you were saying that you want you want the best people on your team, but you also don't want to sort of just make it all all black people or all white people. Um I think With more diversity, I think definitely comes more creative ideas. And if you've Mm -hmm. got people from different backgrounds, um, they're going to be able to have a different outlook on things. Like if you just have everybody that's from the same background, same area, same culture, you're not going to be able to see something else that could make your company better or that could, you know, you could release a new product that actually, oh, wait, this works for a lot of people rather than this is just who we're thinking of because this is all, all we see and who we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. I mean, my growing company, GameFlow. um, Our executive team is all black. So myself and my best friend, who's my my CTO, um, and then our COO is a black woman. Um, We have a bunch of folks under us who are black, um, Latino, Asian. Um, Our distribution team is is run by. a white company, a white guy. Right, our our rep, our agent is a white woman, um, and then our manufacturing, like head, is based in Mexico City, right? And so I think once again, it's, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's to your point. There's lots of Valley and other folks who have also have diverse networks, right? I, I think mm. people are, are are also a collection of people who they know and who trust them and who they can count. Kind of Reach out to. So for me, I want people who have vast, diverse networks. Kind of from that point, make our collective network even that much larger, right? If it's just me and all my friends, we have but the same collective network, right? It's only but that large. And so I think that's something which um, I think is just as powerful. Who people know and who can they who they can rely on, who also relies on them, is is
1: just as important. 100%, 100%. hundred percent hundred percent um so you just mentioned um your company um is this the company that is creating the games that you' were, you were telling me about earlier um could you tell me in terms of what you guys are doing and what your aim is with um these games that you' are creating
0: yeah for sure yep it is so um the company is called GameFlow, um and we are a community and family focused gaming company so I, I I make that clear kind of Folks know that we are really a mission-based company i think for us just trying to do work in the community with folks like different after school programs um working with um boys and girls clubs working with teams working with parent associations um, hospitals that's really our focus right um for us we we know that most games out there are not very inclusive and so they don't have inclusive characters um, and so for us, we focus on making inclusive games. And I think that's really powerful to see, have someone see themselves in the game. So, oh my God, this kind of looks like me. kind of looks like, kind of looks like yeah. my friend. I think that's so powerful. So for us, that's how we're different. Um, we also, we right now focus on making sports-themed games. So we made a basketball card game called Pick Up Basketball. We're making a similar game called Pickup Up Soccer Next, um, a soccer-themed game. So I think for us, knowing that, there's power in sports. I love sports. So as my co-founder, we figured why not build a, build along something which we know and really enjoy, mm. um, but build for impact knowing that we can kind of use games to help young kids learn life skills, skills which are tied to future jobs, jobs like jobs in analytics, right, which require you to know how to look at data and say, okay, what's the key information based on all, all this data here? Like, like, what's the key insight? Knowing how to make decisions very quickly, right? Decision making—that's very important in life. Um, critical thinking. So, how do we make all those skills um, come out, but make that super engaging and fun? And so, yeah, that's, that's what game flow does, right? I think it's—it's it's been cool to kind of build it. Uh, It's—it's—it's been—it's been a, a challenge, just based on the economy, right? Us going through COVID and having to deal with that in terms of manufacturing and having stuff be held up. Um, but it's all been a blessing. It's been a, it's been a really enjoyable journey. I think we are really poised to take some really big leaps in the next coming months. So I'm excited.
1: Yeah, definitely. It sounds, especially I guess in the game market as well, um, very sort of saturated market. So trying to be some, be different and provide something that is quite a different angle. Um, I, I also love gaming. Um, like I've, my brothers recently got a, not recently he got a PS5 quite a while ago it took us yes. ages took him ages to get it um but yeah I'm, I'm I'm a gamer too so I I like the fact of being able to reach people through gaming um because the if people there's some people are like, oh, how can you watch somebody play games? But it's like it's not even a it's like if you played the games, you'd realize how much of sort of it's like a long movie. It's like a 30-hour mm-hmm. movie, but instead <laughs> you're sort of so engaged in it. Like and you're playing as the character. So it's and the fact that the worlds that they can create and the graphics, you can literally feel like you're in there. Um yeah. so being able to capture that magic but also teach young people sort of lessons and ways that they can engage the world and be better people or get the jobs that they want to get um, i think it's sort of quite a a unique way of sort of helping people which I, which i really like and you're using your skills in gaming and in sports and in analytics to to push that i like that i really like that
0: appreciate that man um, yeah i'm glad you see how um, this company is a collection of yeah of, of my life passions and kind of my life skills, um, but also trying to, I think, pay it forward, right? And knowing that sports really inspired me as a young kid. Um, for me, I used to hate. I still not not hate, but I'm not a big fan of school, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't like school. I go because I have to, right? But I, 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 as a kid, I used to hate school, man. Um, but for me, like reading the newspaper and looking at, at at stats from my favorite baseball team or favorite basketball team and seeing my my and, and trying to understand who was doing what. Like I used to consume sports data. And that's mm-hmm. what got me into math and having a way to kind of look at math in a better way, which helped me get a job at, at on Wall Street, right? Which helped me do XYZ for me if I can help a young kid take their passion for sports and help them just engage a bit more and just keep say okay. I, I will go to school just for X, Y, and Z, like me, right? And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so I'm so wrong, man. I, I did not like school at all. <laughs> at all, man. So I think if, if 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 I can pay it forward and help someone just kind of realize their potential and stay engaged, right? Like I was able to stay engaged through my love of sports, then that's that's a, that's my ultimate way of saying, like universe, thank you for keeping me alive, right? Keeping me going forward because who knows what could have been if I was not. Engage in sports, man. Honestly, who knows? Like me being a kid who grew up in the Bronx at the age of five at that point in time, right? Um, Who knows what could happen if I was just a kid out there living life and find my skills in the right way.
1: Yeah, sports is. I mean, I think that's sort of been the running theme in terms of this conversation. That sports can literally be a lifesaver. It can it can literally yeah. give you life skills. Like, there's so many things that it can do for you. Um, and yeah, that's always why I've loved sports. Um, just for also that all the other extra benefits that it gives you too. Um, there's no real downside unless you get injured. But yeah, that's, that's, that's,
0: that's, that's, that's the only it. downside. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have. I, I, that, that's that's part of my life story, man. When I was when I was 13, uh, I tore my my left knee apart playing oh. football. Uh, my mom and dad, at that point, was, was trying to support seven kids, couldn't afford surgery, so I had to rehab naturally. I went to high school and played football, basketball, baseball in high school for all four years. And
1: on your knees, oh,
0: destroyed my destroyed my knee, man. So now today I have. I, I, I've been told I have the knee of an 80-year-old man with arthritis. Essentially, so I, I have no wow. more, I have no more knee cartilage, and so it's all bone-to-bone contact. And, um, that's, I mean, I, yeah, that's that's a different story. But yeah, that's that's the that's the one downside of sports. <laughs> and affect your your life, but still, I still find time to play basketball and, yeah. and all things in moderation. But um, I, yeah, I, I would not change things for a second in terms of how my life turned
1: out. To be honest with you, that's one thing which, like, to be fair, I don't think I'd ever want to move to the U.S., I can't lie. But one thing about the U.S. that frustrates me is about the medical system. And we won't even get into it because we'll we'll be here for much longer. But, yeah, Yeah. healthcare should be free. It should be part of your taxes, personally.
0: It's crazy, man. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Quick story, right? Um, For me as a kid... I did not go to the dentist until I was probably like 16 years old because as far as my mom's health insurance for her for a job, it only covered dental care for I think two kids based on the average size of American families. So it was like it was like mom and dad and two kids. My mom had seven kids, and so yeah. she had to kind of initially prioritize the older kids to get dental care until until you got kind of old enough to kind of now I'll be on call the show. And so once I was fifteen, I finally aged into having done the, yeah, the two. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's that's just one of those things that's like, oh my God. Oh my that's just that's American, man. That's that's American.
1: <laughs> um. So before we end this conversation, um, I just wanted to sort of ask you one final question, um, which I sort of ask all of my guests, and um, that is: say, if there's a young black boy that's listening to this conversation, how can something that you know help them with an understanding of themselves?
0: Yeah, that's that's um, that's a powerful question. I mean, I, I think something which I know is that. Um, time is in God's hands, so I think knowing that we might have our goals and ambitions um and we might have an idea of when we think things will happen, but what I've seen over time is that things usually don't happen as you think they'll happen, and so as opposed to trying to be worried about oh, when would I get this or when will this happen right just just relax and, and just do what you can do, right? And and work what you can control and kind of let God take care of the rest, right? And know that um, when it's meant to happen, it'll happen. Um, so don't yeah don't don't stress things out too much, right? And and realize that at the end of the day, uh, things will work out at the right time.
1: Ah, bro, bro. So Chi, thank you very much for coming on to the Black and Roll podcast. I've loved chatting with you. Um, hopefully we'll get to do this again some point as well. So yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you, Tito. I appreciate you. And, and keep doing great things, man. I, I appreciate you having me on. And I'll definitely keep on um,
1: checking out your podcast, man. Definitely. Thank you. Have a good day as well. What's up? So that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed talking to Chiyoji. And I really think his story is quite inspiring for um, anyone that suffers from dyslexia or a stutter or, you know, that, was emigrating to a new country and was bullied for it there's there's things that you can do that can help you adapt to a new system and what George was talking about and how sports helped him do that and I really think it's great that he was able to find a way to persevere through it all because he, he could have ended up drowning and not being the person he is today but he had so much resilience determination and grit that meant that he was not going to let any of those things deter him from being the person he is today so i really loved hearing that from chioji so i hope you guys can take something from that um and i really hope you enjoyed the episode let me know what you thought about the episode guys i really hope you enjoyed this episode if you want again get to contact me at tino talk on twitter instagram tiktok or um you can email me speak at uk, and um, or you can check out my website at at www.blackandworld.co.uk that's my website so bless up guys thank you very much for listening and I hope you have a great day